Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. So I titled this message, Set Apart for Good Works. Um, Limb doctrine, or being the hands and feet of Christ, is what the theme for Refuge is this month. So I wanted to kind of tie that in with good works. And I'm going to start by defining the concept of being set apart. And for that, I'm going to look at two scriptures. First, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 10.8. That's Deuteronomy 10.8. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord and minister to him and to bless his name to this day. The Hebrew word that was used there for set apart was bedal, which was... Obviously, it means to set apart, but it was more on the physical sense of the word in terms of like the Levites, were, they, the Levites, they were set apart. They were the only ones who were supposed to carry the ark. They were in that place. They were only the only ones who were supposed to actually physically carry the ark. And not that this word doesn't have the figurative sense of being set apart in terms of like worth or value, but it was hindered. It was leaning more towards that physical sense. So then we look at the second scripture, Psalm 4.3. That's Psalm 4.3. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. Hallelujah. The Hebrew word here was pala. And again, it doesn't necessarily take away from anything that Bedal said, but this had more of a sense on the aspect of being distinguished and being set apart, not necessarily in some other place physically, but set apart in terms of what's inside, you know, what Jesus has really done for us inside. And so my first point is, by God, we are set apart. And it's going to take me a little bit to kind of like build a backup of where I'm going, but I just want to kind of use a couple scriptures to glorify God and just kind of declare just who he is. And so I'm going to use Isaiah 40, 26. Isaiah 40, 26, look up to the heavens, who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. In Isaiah 40, 12, that's Isaiah 40, 12, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? And who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? And so I picked these two scriptures because, I mean, when you ever look up into the sky and seen how many stars are actually up there, and he calls each one by their name, and not one does he miss, not one. And I mean, that just, it's mind-blowing to me that he can, it's unbelievable. And then... Going back to Isaiah 40, 12, when it's talking about measured off the heavens with his fingers, it's talking about actually taking a measurement of the sky, like all of creation. And he's doing it with his fingers. And that just blows me away because I looked up, the, not, not the sun, the sun is our closest star, but the second closest star to us is 4.24 light years away 
And now I couldn't even comprehend what a light year was. That's just a long ways. But I looked up, I looked up, our fastest space shuttle travels at 18,000 miles per hour. Okay, so if we were to take that space shuttle and ride that to that star, how many years do you think it would take us to get there? 160,000 years. I'm like, that's going on. Imagine if your motorcycle went that fast, Sam, baby. If you had hair, it would definitely blow it off. And I'm just saying, and God measured, that's just the closest star. And God measured the sky with his fingers. And it's just like, come on, there is some power there. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. And so we set up this, you know, kind of construct that, okay, he's big and powerful, but it's really important to know that he's trustworthy and that he cares for you. He cares intimately about what's going on in your life. And I look at 1 Peter 2.22, 1 Peter 2.22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Now, this is speaking of, in reference of Jesus. And Psalm 139.18 Psalm 139, 18, this is just a part of the verse. Thought, his thoughts towards us outnumber the sand on the earth. And so, I mean, you see in 1 Peter that no deceit was found in his mouth. So, I mean, he, lying is not a part of his nature. That's just not what he does. He's trustworthy. And just coming into the way of how concerned he is towards us, his thoughts towards us are more numerable than the sand on the earth. No, I'm not going to fail you here. I'm going to give you some numbers because it's just it's hard for me to grip that. And so I looked up in one square inch of sand. There's 578,000 grains of sand in that one square inch. I'm like, holy moly. So just in one square foot, there's a billion grains of sand. Now, can you think just a whole beach? That number of grains, that's how many thoughts the Lord has towards you. Think about how concerned you would have to be with a topic in order to think about it that many times. I'm just like, whoa. I, it just it blows my mind. But he cares that much. He cares that much. And it's like, oh, nothing can separate us from the love of the Lord. Amen. That's awesome. That's just, we're, we're so thankful that that's the God that we get to work with and that we get to serve and that we get to represent here. That's just, that's a blessing. And he'll never leave us and forsake us. He's given us the ability to do what he's called us to do. He'll never, he doesn't let us down. Okay, so this is the, the scripture that I kind of want to focus a little more on here. It's Exodus 33, 15, 16. I think maybe Nathan had a slide for this one. Exodus 33, 15, and 16. So this is Moses talking to the Lord. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And so two things really stuck out to me in this. It's really setting up the picture of what the earth has to offer. You see, um, maybe to tell you what's going on, the Lord kind of got a little feisty with what Israel had done, the people. And so he's like, you can go up to the promised lands that I've promised you, but I'm not going to come. 
And this is Moses replying, saying, no, no, Lord. You know, if you're not coming, don't send us up there. And so we've got this picture of everything that the world has to offer. You know, the best house, the best job, everything that you need. And then you have the other, the other spot, the desert, which is pretty much the lack of. It doesn't have anything that we need, really. But when you put in that deciding factor into the equation of God's presence, Moses is like, no, Lord, I would rather be here in the desert than to go into the promised land without you. And so, I mean, you, we just see the, the value that things of the world have versus the presence of God. And so, I mean, when we have our values on the right level, right, Grace? Amen? God's, he, he wins, hands down. And so the second part was that word distinct, that was that same word that we looked up in Psalms, Paula, and that really meant, right here at the end, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? Set apart, and it's, that's talking about, remember, not as much the physical sense of being separated, but that sense of separation in terms of value and being distinguished. It's when he comes with us, that's where the value is. That's where the distinction is of who we are in Christ. Everything is about Jesus and what he's done. You know, when Bishop said to me the other day, when, when God looks down, he literally sees Jesus here. Like, when he's looking at us, we are hidden in that. That perfection that Jesus lived out here on the earth, that's what he sees when he looks at us. We've been hidden in that. Hallelujah. And so, moving on to point two, it's for God that we have been set apart. We've kind of built up the idea that it's because of who God is that we can stand on his word in faith, and he's the one who has the power to set us apart in that way. And it's also for him that we are set apart. He takes so much. Think about, like, anybody who has kids. Like, when you see them, like, do little things that you've told them to do, and they do it successfully, and you're just like, good job, you know? And so, I mean, God enjoys seeing his children flourish and walking in righteousness and his will and his ways. And I mean, so we can't undervalue that. It's, it gives him so much joy as a father to see us living out his love and his ways and his laws. And so in Psalm 106, 8, that's Psalm 106, 8, yet he saved them for his name's sake that he might make known his mighty power. You know, we weren't saved from sin so that we could stay in sin or that we wouldn't be able to walk in his joy or his love. You know, he saved us and set us apart so that we could live at a different standard. It's a, to know life as God knows it. I mean, to live that abundantly. And it's not necessarily that we're just going to have all these flashy things, but I mean, abundance comes from in here, guys. It's in here with the Lord. You know, because how does it say it, Pastor Matt, about, you know, it's the spirit that gives life. You know, the flesh isn't good for nothing. Flesh is going turn into, to turn into worm food someday. And I mean, good for them worms. You know, I bet it would taste good. But, but I mean, this, it's the spirit. It's in here that gives life, that gives peace, and it gives purpose, and it's where we love from. And in Matthew 5, 16, it Matthew 5, 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works 
and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, just looking at the sheer magnitude of the creation that God has made him, he's done a pretty good job at glorifying himself. Amen. And so it's not necessary that I'm trying to, like, add anything into his testimony. Like, God, you kind of need my help. I need to do some stuff down here and make you look good. No, it's actually, he's done it all on his own. But, I mean, it's pleasing to him, again, to see us be able to walk out his righteousness and to see people working together, living in love, fulfilling those things. You know, that gives him glory. Like, when we were first created, it says, let us create man in our image. You know, when you think about, like, physical creation, and we, we sung about it earlier, how, you know, God's attributes are hidden within that creation. But, I mean, then when he made man, there's, like, a different aspect of what we can do and what we bring to the table because we're still that, like, obviously my physical body is a manifestation. It's part of that physical creation. But there's some, like, the spirit that we have, when he breathed his life, here I am, just like, yeah. There, it brings that animated life of God into the visible realm of manifestation. And you can actually see, like when Jesus was here, you could see the Father. And it kind of made, it kind of like tweaked my mind a little bit. It was like, God, if anybody sees you, you know, he, he's going to die. He can't see you. But it's the, it's the seeing like his nature walking around, how he loved how he treated people, how he gave of everything that he had, that you can see the unmanifested nature of God coming into reality. And that's exactly what we have the opportunity to do. That's how we can give glory to him. And that's really what he wanted from the get-go was that his nature could be made known to all creation. And that's on us. And I mean... We were really called to live above the standards of the world. You know, when Andrew was talking at our last service, he was talking about, like, you know, it might be a, a good desire that he'd be a good employee. But, I mean, where are, how did I write that? Our motives and our, tension, our, motives and our intentions, that's really kind of like what sets our standard above the rest of the world. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, yeah, Andrew might have had a good motive of being a good employee, but I mean, when we really use that motive of we're going to glorify God here, that really sets that bar up there. And we're like, come on, let's do this. This is for Jesus. Uh, Gary McIntosh said this the other week and how he said, re-presenting Jesus. And I was like, the way he said that was so awesome to me because literally we are representing the gospel every day to every person that we meet. And Sometimes it doesn't even use words, but I mean, someone drops something in the grocery store today and I picked it up for her, you know, you just look her in the face and you give her a good smile. It's something so simple, but I bet she just felt that love just flowing. I'm just like, yeah, what's up? And I don't know, it's just an opportunity that we have, that love that God has put in us. It's just, it's, it's amazing. So that's point number two. For God, we are set apart to glorify him, to give glory to his name to do those good works. We have that opportunity. And so point three, we've been set apart for good works. In Ephesians 2.10, that's Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
I mean, right at the end, it's pretty clear we should walk in them, in the good works, you know, in Christ. And there's just that. The Bible even goes as far as to say we should seek out ways to glorify the Lord. I mean, not necessarily that we're just going to be walking through our, our life and just, poof, it's going to get hit by like a bus. This is how you can glorify the Lord today. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, it's we should actually be seeking them out, seeking out ways. And there's the only time that I can really, really give a good, I don't know, testimony to this is when I serve here at the church as one of the hosts on Sunday morning. There's just a certain anointing that God brings when you're serving his people like that. Awesome. And so the last time that I, that I was doing it, I was the head host, so I was able to kind of like work behind the scenes with Nathan a little bit, and we had some stuff going on, and I running around doing that and whatnot. And it's like trying to find ways to, oh, I'm going to get out of my chair and open the door for this person. You know, and it's like, it's small little things, guys, but it's so fun to, like, be able to, like, go around and do something that can give Jesus some glory. You know, let them know that there's people here that love you. There's people here that notice you, that, ah, don't let people pass by without being seen or being recognized. And so this is the verse that I really wanted to take a look at. It just struck me in such a way. There was a couple words, and when I looked them up, it just, they kind of blew me, blew my mind. And it's 2 Timothy 2.21. That's 2 Timothy 2.21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. That word cleanses was ekathairo in the Greek, and that means to purge out or cleanse thoroughly. Thoroughly cleansing. Jesus said, don't be a whitewashed tomb, looking good on the outside, having this appearance of, but it's on the inside where we got to let them get in there and work. And that word purge, it just means to replace something with something else. Okay, so I work with stainless steel for food processing equipment. And we're, when we're going to weld tubing together, put the two pieces of tube together, you know, and you got to make a weld on that seam. Well, see, the product goes through the inside of the tube. So it's not just enough to have the weld on the outside, but it's got to be sanitary on the inside of the tube. So we run a non-flammable gas through the in, all the way through the inside of that tubing, whatever we're welding. That way, when you burn it or you melt it, that inside of that well doesn't oxidize. And that leaves a sanitary surface for the food to go through. And I mean, that just really struck me as in God's not looking to just make us look good. But I mean, he wants to have us be good in here. And I mean, that's really where it counts. That's really where it just like gives value. And it's just like, ah, yeah. It's in here. That's where the fire is. And he's like, so he's not just trying to just give you a little dunk. It's just get in there. Ah. And so it's not just on the outside, but on the inside. And then, let's see here. And then that word vessel, 
was skuios in the Greek. And it just had a general meaning of equipment or apparatus. But then it had this like context to the word where it was typically used for as a, how a wife is as contributing to the usefulness of her husband. And that really struck me because all, all throughout the scripture, it talks about us as the bride, the church as the bride, and Christ as the groom. And so, I mean, when it's talking and referring to us contributing to the usefulness of Jesus, and it's like us as a vessel, when we're cleaned, purged, the honorable replaces the dishonorable, cleansed, then we can be useful, help Jesus to be useful here on the earth. Otherwise, we might just muck it up a bit. We don't want that. We don't want that. And so, I mean, really why I use those two terms to kind of define that set apart in the physical sense and in kind of the distinguished sense or like the value sense of the word was, it's just like Michaela was talking about. There's so many things that's going on in our lives as young people. There's so many potential changes that can come about. Just understand in terms of the set apart and the value, there is so much value that God has placed on your lives. There is so much value. I cannot, I physically can't express how much is there in words. I can't do it. Can't put, I can't tell you how much value he has placed on each one of your lives in that sense. And then the other sense of being set apart in terms of like where we go, there's a, a very specific purpose that each one of you have. Each one of us have a specific purpose and function within this body. And our pastor has a saying that he uses a lot, and it's awesome. When everyone does their part, every need will be met. So, I mean, it's our job, as, especially as young people, to really seek out the Lord and say, Lord, what do you have for me? What are those gifts and those talents that you've given to me? How can I use them to you know, further your kingdom, to advance your rule here? God's kingdom, you know, the rule of his wills and his ways on our hearts coming out in righteousness and in, in action. And so, I mean, that's really what I wanted. It was just don't underestimate the value that Jesus has put upon your life and that he has this very specific thing that he has purposed for you to do. Only you can do it. But you can do it because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so... With every head bowed and every eye closed, um, if you haven't had the opportunity to, to meet with the Lord and to surrender your life to him and, and just say, Jesus, you know, I've, I've seen the sin in my life and I've, I've just seen its destruction. You know, and if you've never come before him and said, Lord, I, I need your forgiveness, you know, we'd like to extend that offer to you tonight. So if there's anyone here or who has never met the Lord, if I could just have you raise your hand. I'd like to pray with you to receive the Lord. And even if there's anybody who has maybe slidden in a direction that the Lord hadn't called them to go, and you want to get right, you want to get it all right with Him, I just want you to raise up your hand, and I'll, I'd like to pray with you too. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
before I pray, I'm just going to declare that when you come before the Lord in repentance of your heart and you say, Father, forgive me, he is able to forgive you and he will do it. There's not a question there. He has, Jesus has already paid the price. The check was written. And so God would be un, it would be un characteristic of him to not receive what he had already been paid for, which was your forgiveness. So when we asked him, he is good. He's good to pay up. So Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We just thank you so much. Father, please forgive us of our sins. We acknowledge them before you and that our ways have not been right. Please forgive us in Jesus' name. Father, we just pray for that thorough cleansing that you would purge out all of that dishonorable from us, Lord. Help us to be vessels of honorable use so that you could further your kingdom, advance your reign here on the earth in the way that we love, in the way that we speak, in the way that we give, Lord. Father, we just submit every area of our life to you and just say, have your way. You know, make every way straight every way. Father, we just give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.